0: On the show today, Google releases several security fixes for Android, including one classified as critical. The US military announces the third edition of its Hack the Army program. A new conspiracy theory claims that the COVID-19 vaccine is injecting a 5G microchip into you. Our scam of the day says that I have millions of dollars stored away at Wells Fargo Bank. And today's tip gives you six ways to protect your privacy online. All of that and more is coming up on the January 11th, 2021 edition of Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. The safest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Jim Herman. I have 3 stories on the news beat for you today. We begin with some Android news. Google has released its January security update for the operating system, patching 43 bugs affecting Android handsets including two critical or serious vulnerabilities. One of the vulnerabilities permitted an attacker to execute code on the device in some cases. Using a specially crafted transmission, an attacker could force your device to execute code that was included in the transmission. This issue is a perfect illustration of why it's important to keep your system up to date. Until your device is updated, it will be vulnerable to this attack. And now that the attackers know the issue exists, they will certainly be looking for a way to exploit it on unpatched devices. So the next time your Android device says it needs to install updates, it will probably be a good idea to say yes. In Washington, the U.S. military announced the launch of another bug bounty program to help secure the digital assets of the U.S. Army. The program began last week and will run through February 17th under the name Hack the Army 3.0. A spokesperson for the Army stated that this program would complement the Army's existing security measures by providing an additional means for identifying and fixing critical vulnerabilities. The 2019 edition of the Hack the Army program paid out $275,000 for 146 vulnerabilities. And a similar Hack the Air Force program last year paid out $290,000 with over 400 vulnerabilities discovered. And a word of warning in our final story today a new conspiracy theory is making the rounds claiming that the COVID-19 vaccine contains a 5G microchip. This seems to be a new combination of two older conspiracy theories. The first claimed that the COVID-19 virus was caused by the building of 5G towers. This conspiracy theory resulted in attacks on 5G towers in Britain. The second conspiracy theory claimed that the COVID-19 vaccine would be used to insert microchip trackers into the American public. Also of note, an image that accompanies the claim pretends to show a diagram of the microchip that will be used in the vaccine. However, there's no reason for concern. The image is actually a diagram of a guitar pedal. While a microchip might hypothetically be small enough to be snuck into a vaccine, I think you'll certainly realize something's wrong if your doctor injects a guitar pedal under your skin. And now we move on to our scam of the day. Today's scam came to my inbox from the email address documentofficefile at gmail.com, which is a little bit of a strange address considering it pretends to be from Wells Fargo Bank. For reasons that I'll explain later, I will remove the phone number that's listed in the email and we will just say phone number in its place. The email reads, Attention is needed. Greetings from the Wells Fargo Bank. I have a vital information which needs to be attended to immediately. Did you authorize anyone to pick up your compensation fund from our branch in Arizona? One Mr. Andrew Cox came to our office yesterday in respect of your $20 million dollars which has been credited with us for the past six months now by the federal government to be transferred into your account to pick up the fund. So we decided to write you to make sure that your fund of $8.5 million in our branch office in Arizona and contact us Wells Fargo Bank 961 at gmail.com or call phone number. We want you to get back to us with the following details. Full name, home address, phone number. The email then contains a link to a Google form. Now beyond the bad English, there's a few things wrong with this one. First, why is Wells Fargo emailing me from one Gmail address and then telling me to respond to a different one? They're a big enough bank to have their own wellsfargo.com email addresses. Second, I thought the phone number was an interesting part of the message, so I decided to try calling it to see what I would find. Unfortunately, I ended up disappointed. I ended up calling an individual completely unaffiliated with Wells Fargo or any kind of scam. For the privacy of that person's phone number, I decided it would be best to leave it off the air. And finally, Wells Fargo would have a much more secure method for transmitting personal information than a Google Form. In fact, while I'm not an expert in banking regulations, I believe that any request for private information would require them to use a much more secure method than a Google Form. As a rule, you should never enter personal information into a Google Form. So unfortunately, I won't be shutting down this show to go enjoy my $8.5 or maybe even $20 million, because this is a scam. If you encounter a scam you think we'd like to talk about on the show, you can send it to us at scam at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com. And now it's time for our Cybersecurity Pop Quiz. Each episode, I'll ask you a question in the field of online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. Today's question is a multiple choice question. The question is, which of these passwords would be the most secure? A, Cybersecurity123, all lowercase. B, Cybersecurity123, exclamation point, beginning with a capital C. C, Cybersecurity123 with an exclamation point replacing the I, D, Cybersecurity123 with a capital B and an exclamation point replacing the I, or E, Cyber123 Security with a capital B and an exclamation point replacing the I. The answer will be revealed in next week's episode. But if you want to know it right away, you can go to cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash quiz to find out if you're right. Plus, if you submit your guess on the website, regardless of whether you're right or wrong, you can be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude Season 2 in February. But your guess to this question must be submitted before the next episode is released, at 8 a.m. on Monday, January 18th. For official rules, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash quizrules. Last week's question was, which of these is not a way to protect your privacy on Facebook? A. Complete the Facebook privacy checkup. B. Enable the strongest possible privacy settings. C delete the Facebook app from your devices, or D, view your profile as other people can see it. The answer is C. Completing the Facebook privacy checkup, enabling strong privacy settings, and keeping an eye on what others can see on your profile will all protect your privacy. However, Deleting the Facebook app is not actually a strong method for protecting your privacy. Facebook uses many different ways to associate your device with your identity. By deleting the app or never installing it at all, you might be able to fool Facebook for a little while, but it's unlikely you're going to be able to keep your device free from Facebook's eyes forever. When you're online, it's easy to feel like someone is watching you. And you're probably wrong, only because it's more likely that more than one company is watching you. While the only way to completely stop the tracking is to go off the grid, you can take steps to limit the data collection about you online. We'll have six steps you can take to stay anonymous online when we come back from this short break. If you have a cybersecurity question you'd like to know the answer to, you don't have to wait for an episode about it. We want to hear from you, whether it's a question you have or a comment you want to leave us about the show. You can reach us by email at info at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com or you can leave a voicemail at 859-968-9399, option 2. We'd love to hear your feedback or your questions, and we will definitely consider them when we discuss future topics or changes to the show. Plus, if we select a topic based on your message, we'll be sure to recognize you in that episode. Once again, that's info at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com or 859-968-9399, option 2. If you've listened to this show regularly, you know that privacy can be challenging to find online. Between nations that want to gather data for intelligence purposes and companies that want to predict your thoughts to offer you ads for products you didn't realize you need, it seems that everyone wants to track what you're doing online. So as you travel the internet, you're going to want to take steps to protect your privacy. Whether it's to avoid a repressive government or keep your data away from a prying corporation, you do have options when it comes to protecting your privacy. Today, I want to give you six methods that you can use to stay anonymous online. First, be careful what you post on social media. The things that you post aren't just shared with your friends. Even if you set the privacy on your post, so that only your friends can see it. That information is also monitored by the social media companies for the purpose of review and advertising sales. If you download a copy of your data from a social media site, you'll probably be surprised at how much the site knows about you. Even Google, a site that no longer runs a social media network, has figured out a substantial amount of detail about you and your interests. It's probably impractical for you to give up social media altogether, but you do control the amount of data that you feed to the social media sites. Posting every detail of your life and every thought that enters your mind on Facebook or Twitter is a good way to provide all kinds of data to these sites and their advertisers. So be careful what you post when you're on social media. However, social media companies aren't the only ones that want to track you. Second, most websites use tracking cookies for the purpose of advertising. You've probably seen the pop ups on almost every site now notifying you that the site uses cookies to monitor your activity. Unfortunately, those cookies are neither chocolate chip nor snickerdoodle. These cookies can be used to monitor your activity for even more data collection. But you don't have to automatically consent to all tracking. There are extensions for your web browser that can block many of the worst tracking violators. If you'd like to see my recommendation for one of these extensions, you can visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com recommendations and look at the tracking block section. Third, consider using another browser extension that forces websites to use encryption. Encryption helps protect your data from snooping and from modification while it's in transit. Many websites default to using encryption even if you don't request a secure connection, but some will still allow connections using both encrypted and unencrypted methods. If you want to give your privacy and security a quick boost, download one of these extensions. Occasionally, you may encounter a site that doesn't have any encryption set up at all. But for almost any site nowadays, you can use one of these extensions to force encrypted traffic. Fourth, you could use a proxy or a VPN to mask your identity. A proxy serves as an intermediate step for your internet traffic. All your traffic will go to the proxy first and then be forwarded on to the destination. When data is sent back to your computer, it will be sent to the proxy and then be forwarded back to you. Since websites will only see the internet address of the proxy, it becomes more difficult to actually track your traffic. Obviously, if you're the only one using the proxy, tracking what you're doing is very easy. But if your traffic is being combined with the traffic of many others, differentiating what you're doing on the internet from someone else becomes more challenging. A VPN works in a similar manner to a proxy. All of your traffic is sent to one place, combined with the traffic of others, and then sent out on the internet. However, a VPN has the additional benefit of encrypting your traffic before sending it. With a proxy, the original traffic can still be viewed by others if it's intercepted between your computer and the proxy. However, with a VPN, the traffic is encrypted so that nothing can be read. A VPN or a proxy can also be used to mask your location. They can make it look like you're connecting from one place instead of another place. This can be used for many purposes, both good and bad. Fifth, if you want even greater privacy, you can choose to use the Tor network. The Tor network routes your internet traffic through a series of intermediate connections before it's sent out to the internet. The traffic is encrypted multiple times and each of those intermediate stops can only decrypt the next layer. That means that each step along the path only knows information about the stop before it and the stop after it. Tor is commonly known as a way to hide everything you're doing online. However, it is important to understand that it is not foolproof. If someone wants to figure out what you're doing, it may be possible in some cases. And beyond that, the FBI and other law enforcement agencies have other ways of identifying what you're doing even when you're using Tor. So while Tor may make it more difficult for law enforcement to track you, it will not completely hide what you're doing if you're engaging in illegal activity. However, there are many uses for Tor that don't involve illegal activity. For one, companies like Google, Facebook, Twitter, and Amazon will not be able to track you based on the traffic itself. They will only see the last place that your traffic was routed before it was sent to them. Now that doesn't mean that they can't track you through other means. So if you log into one of these services while you're using Tor, they're still going to be able to track you based on your login. And finally, if you really want to stay anonymous online, you can consider using Tails. Tails is an operating system that routes everything through the Tor network. Beyond that, it can also run off of a flash drive, and it leaves no trace of any of your internet activity once you shut it down. You can also take it with you anywhere and use it instead of the installed operating system on most computers. Just like Tor, Tails is not going to provide perfect and unbreakable anonymity, but it will protect your privacy from all but the most determined people. So depending on how anonymous you want to be, there are many steps that you can take. You can reduce what you post on social media. You can block tracking cookies. You can force websites to connect with encryption. You can use a proxy or a VPN, you could use the Tor network, or you could use Tails. That's all for today. Thanks for listening, and come back again next Monday, where we will discuss how to lock down your cloud storage. So until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked in the description for links to the articles mentioned, more information about today's tip, and a transcription of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would consider visiting our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash welcome. There you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening and stay safe.